0: Moncrief on News Talk. There's always the hope that at some point we'll come up with a technical fix for climate change. And for some, at least, that may well lie in the area of carbon capture, in essence, sucking the carbon out of the atmosphere. But is such technology even close to fruition? And in the meantime, does it distract us from the steps we know we need to take? The journalist John Gibbons joins us now. Afternoon, John. Afternoon, Sean. Uh, so, is does this technology actually exist? Has anyone been able to demonstrate that you can do it? Yes,
1: the various demonstration units have been run, Sean, uh, around the world, usually on very, very small scale—maybe a, a few hundred tons here, maybe a thousand tons there. Uh, but it's never been scaled up to the to the type of, uh, if you like, commercial level that would be required, uh, not even remotely. And I, and I say it is. Uh, by so many, it's out by such a number of factors. Uh, So to date, there's been no serious attempt at scaling it up. And there's a really good reason for that, Sean, that when you start applying uh, either CDR, which uh, simply means carbon dioxide removal, or CCS, which means carbon uh, storage and and, and removal, when you start applying these technologies to conventional energy, in other words, to to a coal-fired power station or a, a similar station, basically they become fantastically expensive because the process of sucking carbon out of the air, compressing it, liquefying it, uh, piping it, transporting it underground, and then securing it, by the way, in a safe underground cavern for the next thousand years, all of that costs huge amounts of money. So uh, it's a situation where, in theory, this is doable. But because there isn't a market for this, for the CO2 that you're extracting, in other words, it's not really a commercial product. It's more of a waste product. Uh, Therefore, there's no commercial gain for people to do all of this work. Mm. So what they like to do instead, Sean, is to talk about doing it. And that's really what we're talking about here is (laughs) that what you found, for example, with the IPCC, uh, which is a funny old organization because people always assume it's a scientific uh, conference the intergovernmental panel but it's also got loads of uh, government people involved it's got loads of economists involved and they've got all sorts of interesting other agendas so for example in the ipcc report that sort of shoehorned uh, ccs or cdr back onto the agenda uh, it was led by a saudi delegation of 10 what they call very experienced negotiators and the saudis along with other petrostates are really keen On this technology. And of course, the reason that they're really keen on this technology isn't because they've managed to bring it up to scale, isn't because they have any idea who's going to pay for it or what effect it will have, simply because it means that if we can talk about uh, techno fixes for another 5, 10, 15 or 20 years, they can continue digging up, drilling and selling oil and gas for another 10, 15 or 20 years.
0: Mm. Now, and and also... This isn't even if this this technology was brought up to scale, this wouldn't be that we have these devices all over the world and the entire planet becomes clean. These things are more kind of site specific in that example you gave.
1: That's exactly right. First of all, uh, in order to install one of these, uh, I guess you'd call it like a carbon scrubber. You'd fit it, say, to a large power plant and that would basically uh, extract and scrub uh, gases from the from the from the, 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 the flue, from the pipe. Uh, now, you can do that, obviously, in, in a large power station, say a coal-fired power station, and then you've got all that rigmarole that I described a minute ago in, in terms of what you do with the with the, uh, the CO2. Uh, you can't, obviously, fit one of these gizmos to your car, out of the exhaust pipe of your car. You can't fit it to a ship. You can't fit it to it, so it has no function in the transport sector, Sean. And of course, it has no function, say, in the home heating sector either. You can't fit CCS to your uh, oil-fired or gas-fired boiler out the back. So all of those kind of areas where there are huge emissions currently pouring into the sky from none of these are amenable to CCS. So this really only applies to centralized, dense power production, such as uh, coal-fired or gas-fired power stations. Yeah.
0: And so what are the politics of the IPCC that this had to be mentioned so much in the report? I mean, if, if, if the Saudis didn't sign off on the, uh, on the report, well, kel surprise, it's a petro nation. Yeah,
1: well, the, the great thing and the terrible thing about the IPCC is that it is it represents over 190 nations. And basically, everybody pretty much gets to sign off Everything. Even states, even petro-states uh, like Russia are involved in this process. So it, to me, it's more miraculous that the IPCC signs off on anything, Sean. I mean, mm. you try getting 197 of your buddies together to agree on anything. You get an idea how difficult it is, especially when they've got a whole bunch of vested interests like, like the petro-states. So it is a, it's a very flawed process. No question about it. I mean, we often hear about IPCC reports warning about X, Y and Z, and a lot of the physical science covered in them is excellent But oftentimes, by the time it has been actually translated to the public, it has been diluted down because of the influence of the negotiators from the states who really don't want to be telling people that we've got ourselves a full-scale climate emergency, because if they did... Then states might have to act on that. And what's happening now really is, I guess we're, we're getting close to the witching hour where it's becoming kind of obvious, even to people in, in, in deep denial that we've got a huge problem. And therefore they've moved into the next stage of denial, which is we've got a technical solution for you. And I've often think of this as, as something like uh, going to the doctor, uh, you're a smoker, and the doctor says, well, I guess the choice really facing you is uh, that you need to switch to filter cigarettes, because I just find they're, they're so much easier on the throat than uh, untipped cigarettes. So essentially, the, the, the petroleum industry, if you like, is offering us filter-tipped cigarettes instead of the regular ones. In terms of the impact, shown on the environment and the impact on the global climate, it's as irrelevant as that, frankly.
0: Yeah. Or. Uh, just keep smoking uh, because we're going to figure out a cure for cancer any day now.
1: Uh, yeah, that's exactly right. And and I mean, for example, one of the, the researchers, one of uh, an IPCC researcher, uh, she put it very well. She said, uh, "She said, my feeling about CDR is that we should pretend it is not an option. We should act as if CDR will never be achievable. And she said we should, we should make our policies as if it wasn't an option. And her point is what's called the precautionary principle. Because she said, let's say we bet the shop on CDR, which co- countries like Saudi Arabia and other oil nations would like us to do. And let's say we're wrong, <laughs> which by the way, there's an excellent chance that we'll be wrong. Then All is lost. So her point is exercise the precautionary principle, which says you don't invest, you don't put everybody's future based on a technology that doesn't exist, has never existed at scale and that nobody has any idea, Sean, how to pay for. Because to put this in sort of context for your listeners, to give you a sense of the the scale of the challenge we're looking at here, human actions are emitting somewhere between 36 and 50% billion tons of greenhouse gases a year. Now, that's an awful lot of greenhouse gases. So if you were to capture even 1 billion tons of CO2 out of that, that would be a massive exercise. And yet, what would it be? One or 2% is mm-hmm. all it would be. So this is the issue, Sean, that uh, essentially what the purpose of talking about these technologies is to allow governments and corporations to extend and pretend so to continue on our current pathway while fobbing off public concerns by saying look don't panic we're working on a on a on a I think the Simpsons once described it we've got a a cheap last minute fix that should sort the whole thing out and I'm afraid we're very much heading down that that road and I think there's also another principle at play here. And the principle really is of moral hazard. And that is that when you release these gases into the air, effectively, you're doing it for all time. These Many of these greenhouse gases, Sean, will be active in a thousand years' time. So it isn't just the today's climate that we're destabilizing. It's the climate for every future human generation effectively. And therefore, we're, we're sort of extending, if you like, into the future and impacting kind of every future generation. Now, that's where Precaution comes into it. We really need to be aware that we're we're limiting the options for for our kids, for our grandkids, for every future generation. They're what's called atmospheric space. In other words, where do they get to dump their emissions? Because there's no question, human actions are we're, there's going to be emissions associated with human actions uh, because it's impossible to go to zero. The question is, we need to pro- we need to be heading from fifty million or fifty billion. Excuse me. Uh, towards zero. But the question is, the more this generation uses up, Sean, we effectively mean that the next generation are set really crazy, impossible targets. But worse than that, targets that they can never meet. And the problem, as we know, uh, and again, the, the science side of the IPCC, which is very good, this tells us, for example, that once we hit, say, two degrees centigrade of warming, which, as you know, isn't too far away, probably looking at the mid 2030s, that will tip the Western Antarctic ice sheet into irreversible collapse, uh, which isn't a good thing because that's three metres of global sea level just with that one chunk of ice off the Western Antarctic. Now, this is one of a whole series of tipping points that are coming our way, and what the states would like you and me to believe is they have a cunning plan. Mm-hmm. Just please give us another five, ten, maybe 20 more years of burning this stuff like there's no tomorrow. And honestly, trust us we will we'll, we'll come up with a, a cheap wheeze to fix the whole thing now I wouldn't bet my life on it and I sure as heck wouldn't bet my kids life on it
0: uh, do, do, but do other nations especially the bigger nations are, are they inclined to believe this uh, this line from the uh, from the Petro states I
1: think everybody is involved in, a, in in a kind of a collective delusion on this issue I mean quite quite frankly it's it's you know as, as a uh, if you like a longtime observer of it it, it scares me skinny as to just the amount of uh self-delusion i mean okay i know some some People and some companies and some countries are actively pushing delusion. But the rest of us, Sean, we're buying it. We're actually buying this stuff. And it's quite remarkable. <laughs> you think like the summer of 2022, the hottest summer in at least 500 years in continental Europe. The, the the rivers of mainland Europe, from the Po in Italy to the Rhine in Germany, they haven't recovered. They're just, we're now facing drought conditions in 2023. Uh, it's remarkable how close we are. And that, all of that, Sean, is at maybe 1.2 degrees uh, above pre-industrial. So uh, it's just so incredibly important that we put our foot... Well, first of all, we need to get our foot off the gas, literally and metaphorically, and we need to then get our foot on the brake. At the moment, the guy is pushing... CCS CDR. What they're saying is just keep your foot in the gas there for another while. And meanwhile, as I say, we've, we, we're working on stuff out the back. But we can't tell you about it because, uh, you know, it doesn't exist. But trust us, it's behind the curtain and all will be revealed in the future. Now, I'm sorry, I, I'm not buying it. I think we as societies are, not, are, are shouldn't be buying it. Now, do countries like Ireland buy it? I think we go along for the ride. Uh, you know, we, we say the right things, but we have targets here. We have climate targets here, Sean. Uh, as you know, 51% by 2030. Uh, we won't come within an ass's roar of that. Why? Because nobody in Ireland, nobody politically in Ireland, has invested, other than a tiny number of people, have invested any political capital in it because everybody thinks it's somebody else's problem. And this is your, I, I think somebody described it as the tragedy of the commons, that it's, it's basically. One of these dispersed tragedies that everybody is uh, thinks that somebody else is dealing with it, and also thinks that somebody else will suffer and I think we're something we're very inclined to be, to be prepared to let other people in other parts of the world or even people not yet born do an awful lot of suffering uh, in order that we can continue uh, flying, driving, eating, spending uh, the way we do today and that's that 's just, the, that's just the, the crunch we found ourselves in. And I guess whether that changes
0: uh, remains to be seen. John, thanks a million for speaking with us today. That was the environmental journalist John Gibbons. There, Moncrief, weekdays at two pm on News Talk.